we are in part two of a series called Scared to Death, <clears throat> and I really thought it would be like a, an appropriate time for us to talk about fear because I think in our society, in particular in our culture, we are overwhelmed with fear. And some of us, oddly enough, like anticipate and enjoy fear, right? We'll actually pay to go to a horror movie and be scared. We'll pay to go to a haunted house and have someone literally scare you know, the, the waste out of us. <clears throat> it, we enjoy, some of us enjoy being fearful. But, but more than that, like aside from the humor, we are, are kind of gripped in our society and in our culture with fear, with, with the idea of fear, with, with all that it brings. We're scared to move, scared to make decisions. Some of us are, are scared to live. We kind of lock ourselves away. And I thought, what better time than around Halloween to introduce and kind of talk about this idea of fear. So last week, a guy named Clay... He introduced the whole idea of what fear is. He gave you a definition of fear. But before we get into that, I'm going to kind of lay out where we're headed with the series for the next few weeks. So last week, we talked about fear of the future. This week, we're going to talk about the perpetual anxiety in the present. And the next week, we're going to talk about the problem with the past. Next week is going to be really interesting because even though our fear is concerning something in the future, that most of us are scared about something that's going to happen in the future, it, it's rooted and it kind of comes from something that happened in our past. So how do we deal with that? How do we approach the, the, this impending fear of the future by dealing with something in our past? You don't want to miss next week. But this week, we're going to talk about the perpetual anxiety of fear. Last week, we kind of defined fear this way, and this is how we're going to roll with it through the series. Fear is an emotion. It's something that we feel. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief of a looming potential loss. That there's something looming in the future that creates fear for us. And fear has a cousin, or it has this, this kind of nasty relative, this kind of accompanying emotion we call anxiety. Anxiety is what we want to talk about this morning. Let me ask you a question. Would you say we're more anxious today than we were, say, five years ago, maybe 10 years ago or 20 years ago? How about 50 years ago? <clears throat> we are. Uh, there's an interesting statistic. If you're a parent of teenagers, you, you might ha have lived this and, and know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, the average teenager today, the average child in high school, is as anxious as a psychiatric patient from 1950. That's documented. I mean, that, that's, that in and of itself is a little scary, isn't it? We're that overcome, we're that gripped by fear that our teenagers going into high school are as fearful, are as anxious, and maybe in part because of what we're doing as parents or what we're doing as a society. They're so overwhelmed with anxiety, they're as anxious as somebody that was hospitalized in the 1950s. And, and that's just the reality of our situation. And, and for some of us, it even goes beyond that. I have a daughter in elementary school who is overcome some nights with fear and anxiety. Who, who is like fearful to go to bed because of what awaits her or what might happen. This, this kind of possibility of potential doom. Fear, anxiety, it grips us and it scares us. <clears throat> in America, we, I don't know if you know this, we are on planet Earth now. I'm not talking about like on the continent of North America. America on planet Earth is the most anxious nation in the world. And here's what's interesting about, about even us being anxious in America, is that for people coming into America, they come from these non-anxious countries. By coming into America, they naturally take on this emotion and become just as anxious as we are. I don't know about you, but I feel like that should be a part of the immigration discussion. Right? There's a lot of great things when you come to America. You can enjoy these awesome benefits. Oh, by the way, we're really fearful, and you're going to get scared too. <clears throat> How about this? Over the last 80 years... 80 years, every year for the last 80 years, we've become more and more and more anxious. Every year. It hasn't gone down. It hasn't like balanced out and plateaued. Every year for 80 years, we've increased in our fear and anxiety. 
See, anxiety really does grip us. It really does have a hold on our lives. It has a hold on our culture. It has a hold on our society. And if we're not careful, it can control the way we live. It can control the way we make decisions. It can control the way we, we uh, interact with people. It can tro- control how we spend money or if we spend money. And if we're not careful, the fear, this, um, this kind of anxiety, will actually begin to run our lives. So I decided I thought it would be a great opportunity to approach this idea of fear, and in particular this week, to approach this idea of anxiety. What is anxiety? What does the Bible have to say about it? And can we learn something from it? Is there like, like maybe this magic switch we can turn that will cause us to just not be anxious this morning? Here's how I want to define anxiety for us today. Anxiety is the present emotion. <clears throat> it's like a current fear, <coughs> excuse me, a current feeling of fear, really of an inner turmoil produced by the uncertainty of the future. It's an unpleasant present emotion. Because we can feel it. Right? You can feel anxiety. You can feel it almost physically come on you. It begins to turn your stomach or give you goosebumps or maybe a headache or a migraine. You can feel it come on you. And if you're wondering, but Jim, how do I know if I'm anxious? I'm going to read a list of side effects of how you might know you're an anxious person. <clears throat> I tried this one breath this morning. It didn't work. We're going to try it again. If you have headaches, muscle pain, tension, sleep disturbances, tightness or feeling of the body, especially the head, neck, neck, jaw, face, chest pain, ringing, pulsing in your ears, excessive sweating, shaking, trembling, cold chills, hot flashes, accelerated heart rate, numbness or tingling, depersonalization, derealization, upset stomach, nausea, shortness of breath, feeling like you're going insane, dizziness or feeling faint. You might have anxiety. Here's the really interesting thing about all these things. Somewhere on that list is one of us, isn't it? We can all associate with one of those side effects. We can all associate with with something I said because the truth is, to some degree, all of us have something to be anxious about. All of us have something to be a little fearful about. We've all kind of felt that way. It's, It's like a human nature, like natural trait, isn't it? It's not like there's just one person that's anxious and they have all those. I mean, if you have all those, God bless you. But the truth is, we all have some of those. To some degree, we all feel a little, don't we? And here, here's what's really interesting. Um, I'm not an anxious person by trade, but I know some people who are. And I, you may have met somebody like this, where, where things just seem to be going right, and you're like, so how are you doing? It's like, you know, things are going well, but, but I'm a little anxious. What are you anxious for? That's the thing. I don't know. But I know I need to be anxious. Something's going to happen, and I feel like I've got to worry about it, but I don't know what there is to worry about yet. Have you met somebody like that? They, they need, they, they like crave anxiety. They crave, like, I don't know, nothing's going wrong. And for like my personality trait, it's like, man, live in that. Enjoy it. Have a great day. Like, no, 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 I, I'm fearful, but I don't know what I'm fearful about. I just know something's going to happen. I need to be fearful. Or, or maybe you're like an anxious person, but you come into environments like this. We sing some songs, maybe an old hymn, and, and you have this like this sense of peace and things tend to go away. And then just like in, in a, a sw- flip of a button or flip of a switch, Push of a button, that's how it goes. Push of a button or flip of a switch. That fear, that anxiety just comes rushing back and consumes you. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, Jim, that's me. I was fearful when I came in. I'm anxious right now. I don't know what I'm anxious about, but I know there's something coming and I'm anxious about it. Or maybe I do know what I'm anxious about. My kids are next door and are they going to have a good time? Are they going to be sad? Are, they, are somebody going to pick on them? Are they not going to have fun? We, just, we, we have this looming kind of, kind of feeling that just covers our lives of anxiety. And it's a present emotion. It's something we all feel, and it's something we can all really relate to. See, what's, what's interesting, I think, is, is we tend to carry around our anxiety like a software virus. If you're a techie person, you'll get this illustration. 
You know, if you have like your home PC or your laptop or maybe even a phone and you're working on it and, and you get one of those viruses and things tend to slow down, right? They, they, they don't open as fast. Things begin, programs begin to get bogged down. Maybe they even like just shut off on you automatically. You see, our anxiety is very much like that. It subtly slows us down and quietly keeps us from operating at our full speed. It's like that little virus, and, and you just carry it around for a while. We carry around our anxiety, and it makes us a little bit slower, and we don't get as much accomplished, and then we shut down a lot faster. You see, that's what our anxiety has the ability to do. Anxiety ultimately hurts us and helps no one, but we know that, don't we? We know that anxiety isn't beneficial. We know it's not like bringing joy to our family. We know it's not helping us in any way, but yet we carry it around. I love what one author said. He said this about anxiety. Anxiety is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. Isn't that true? We get our anxiety and we worry and we just kind of sit and we rock back and forth and we're worried and we're worried, but nothing changes. We haven't overcome our fear. We haven't made ourselves less anxious. Nothing's done. It's like a big rocking chair. And we rock and we rock and we worry and we worry. Yet nothing happens. Nothing gets accomplished. You see, to me, it really, anxiety is kind of like a big rock. And I bet you thought this was like a piece of foam that we painted to look like a rock so I could carry it. No, this is a real rock. <laughs> and it gets heavy. But we carry it. And no matter what our fear might be, maybe it's about how we can try to raise or control our kids, or, or maybe we're having issues with our parents. Our parents are getting older and we don't know what to do. Maybe something horrible happened to our family, or we're worried about something horrible happening to our family. Maybe it's, it's not we, we can't control or we can't really trust our finances because after all, you know, we suffered through the financial fallout of 07, 08, and, and that just showed us that, that there is no like, strength and stability in finances. Maybe it's that our relationships are kind of falling apart and, and we're not the spouse we thought we were, we're not the husband we wanted to be or the, the father or, or the son we wanted to be. And we just take our anxiety and we kind of carry it around like a heavy rock. And what's interesting, you know, for a while, when you, you know, you carry it around, it's not that heavy. I could do it for a while. I could do it for, you know, a few minutes. But the more you carry it, the heavier it gets. And it begins to slow us down like that virus. And it becomes harder to do things. So what do we tend to do with it? We take our heavy rock and we put it in a backpack, don't we? We just kind of carry it around. We don't really want people to see it. You know, we're not proud of our fear. We're not proud of our anxiety. So we just kind of put it in the backpack. And then we carry it around with us. Have you ever been, you know, you've seen those middle schoolers, <clears throat> you know, they go to school for the first time and they get all their trapper keepers and books and folders and they put it in their backpack and their backpack's like sometimes bigger than they are. That's kind of what happens to us with our fear and our anxiety. We load up our backpack. We don't want anyone to see it. We just load it up and, and we keep carrying it around. And we just live our life. We do the things we always do. But, but this, this kind of looming presence, this looming burden is attached to us all the time because it's our anxiety. It's almost like personal, right? It's my anxiety. I own it. It's mine. And I'm going to carry it. And we carry it and we carry it. And I walked into the service hoping I could carry around this backpack all morning, but I'm not going to because that would, you know, be brutal on my shoulders. So we put it down, although that's just figuratively. We never really put down our anxiety. We carry it with us. We keep it with us all the time, day in and day out. Every morning we wake up and we put it on. Sometimes we even carry it to bed with us and it becomes hard to sleep. Maybe even you lose sleep. You had those sleepless nights. You see, we all have anxiety to some degree. And some of us don't know what to do with it. 
So I want to look at two passages of Scripture this morning that I find really interesting, that I think speak directly into anxiety. They're written by two different authors. One's written by a guy named Peter. You've heard of Peter. He's the guy who kind of walked with Jesus. He was one of the apostles. Then written by another guy named Paul. Now, Paul didn't walk with Jesus during the the beginning of his life or while Jesus was on earth. He walked with Jesus after it. But what's interesting is these two guys have two very different perspectives on anxiety. They speak to it in a very interesting way. And what's interesting about these words is we believe these are really the words of God, that God inspired these men to write these words, that somehow in some miraculous way, God spoke to us. Like I I don't know how to explain. I, I couldn't even do it in our short amount of time. If you even gave me more time, it would be hard to explain because it's one of those mysteries of the faith that God imparted something into these men and they wrote down the words of God and God spoke directly to us through these scriptures. Now we're going to start with Peter. Here's what Peter says. Peter says, all of you, he starts off in 1 Peter 5, all of you, which in the Greek means all of you. I've written to a specific audience. Everybody who reads this, everybody who hears these words, all of you, this is an all skate. This is for everyone. All of you, clothe yourself in humility. I know what you're thinking, like, wait a second, I thought we were talking about anxiety. Like, what, is anxi- what does humility have to do with anxiety? Well, much like we discussed last week with fear, the answer to fear isn't no fear. The answer to fear is love, right? In God's perfect love, fear is driven out. The two don't seem to make sense, but it solves the problem. And he's beginning, Peter's beginning to, to, to kind of uncover this truth that all of you clothe yourselves in humility, that maybe the answer to your problem isn't where you've expected it. Maybe it isn't where you've been looking. Maybe we need to start here with humility. All of you clothe yourselves in humility, he says, toward one another because, and then he says something that's really strong. It's, it's not very light. It's not like something sweet we often want to think about, but he says something that's very direct and very strong and very powerful. He says, because... God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. All of you clothe yourselves in humility. All of you learn to be humble. All of you take the humble approach to this because God shows favor and shows grace to the humble, but the proud, he actually opposes. He actually comes up against. That word opposes like a military term where you get all your forces and you come up against the proud. You actually put a wall up and say, you're not getting through. I oppose you. I oppose the proud. I know some of us are thinking, uh-oh, I can be a little prideful sometimes. But, but Jim, what, is, what does pride have to do with our anxiety? What does pride really have to do with this? And, and we know the difference between being proud and being humble, but pride essentially says this. Pride says, I got it, right? It's mine. I'm not proud of my fear. I'm not proud of my anxiety. I'm not proud that I'm worried about raising my kids. I'm not proud that I have this this just fear of this impending doom in the future. I'm not proud of that. But pride says, I can do it. I can do it on my own. Don't worry about it. I got it. I can control the outcome of my kids somehow. And we're all, all parents are laughing like, seriously, you can't control kids. I, I got it. I can control this whole situation with my parents and how they're aging and and we don't know what to do. I can control this disaster in my relationship. I can control my finances. I got it. It's okay. Now we're all feeling a little uncomfortable because we've all said that, haven't we? How you doing? I got it. I'm good. I got it. See, pride says, I got this. Humility says, I can't. Humility says, I don't know how. I can't control my kids. I mean, I can't even control my life. How am I going to control my kids? I can't. 
Humility says, I can't control my money. I've seen that I can't control. There's no safety in it. Humility says, I can't control this situation with my, with my parents. I don't know what to do. I can't. I can't control the, this, this problem in my relationship. I can't do it. Pride says, I got this. Humility says, I can't. I don't know how. All of you, clothe yourselves in humility. He goes on and he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. And and if we really believe this about God, that God has this mighty hand, we would understand this a a little better. I mean, just imagine, this powerful, ultimate God has a mighty hand. What do we do in a natural response? I should probably humble myself. I should probably bend my knee before God's mighty hand. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up. And I know what you're saying, right? This is heavy. I don't feel like I'm levitating. I don't feel like I'm being like somehow just mysteriously like raising off the ground and walking on clouds and prancing in gardens. See, when you begin to humble yourself before God, do you feel a little lighter? It might not be like you're levitating, but do you feel a little lighter? And you're like, well, yeah. So you humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. But here's the problem we all struggle with, and none of us like this in due time. And none of us like due time, do we? Like, we want it now. I mean, we are the generation of now. There's a a preacher, Levi Lesko, he says it this way. He has this great illustration. He says, we can't define due time because we're the people that burn our mouths on hot pockets. I mean, think about that for a minute, right? A hot pocket is like a quick meal. I'm going to throw it in the microwave for a minute, and I'm going to get a meal out of it. And we're not, like, we can't even wait long enough for it to cool down to bite into. It comes out, and we burn our mouths. We don't get to define due time because for us, due time is now. I humbled myself, God, but I'm still feeling heavy. God said, yeah, but in due time. I humbled myself, God. I'm humble. I know I can't. I don't want it anymore. Yeah, but in due time. You see, we don't get to define due time. God gets to define due time. And it might not happen by the end of this message. You might leave here and still feel that little bit of a burden of anxiety. It might not happen and by the end of tomorrow. It might take a few days. It might take a few weeks. For some of you, it might take a few years. But the more you get into this practice of humbling yourself before God's mighty hand, God says, when you humble yourself, when you say you can't, God says, I can, and he begins to lift you up. And that burden begins to feel lighter until you know what? You realize you don't even feel it anymore. But you got to say, or you got to start with humbling yourself before God's mighty hand. I can't, God. I can't control the outcome. I can't control my kids, no matter how hard I try, and I want to. I can't control my husband or my wife. I can't control what's happening around the world or overseas or with our government. I I can't. Humble yourself, and God will lift you up. Then he finishes it with these great words. Cast all of your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Cast it on him. Throw it on him. Take it off your shoulders and literally put it on his. You see, here's the problem with anxiety. Anxiety stems from carrying something you weren't meant to carry. Anxiety stems from us putting something in our bag and putting that bag on our shoulders and carrying it around. You were never meant to carry it to begin with. But this is what we do. It's mine, and I own it. 
and we put it on our shoulders. And that fear of you controlling your kids, that fear of that anxiety of you trying to dictate your outcomes, of you having enough money to retire in a few years, the, the, the pressure and the fear of you being the spouse you long to be and never being able to meet it. We keep it on our back. And Peter's saying, no, 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 no. You cast it on him because he cares for you. Because God cares for you, you can cast your anxiety on him. It's because he cares for you. It's because God loves you so much that you can cast your anxiety on him. That's why he wants to take it. He wants to take it off you because you were never meant to carry it. And he loves you so much. He said, just give it to me. As a parent, we understand this, don't we? We see our kids troubled or burdened or overwhelmed. It's like, no, no, let me take that from you. That's exactly what God's doing for us. He's reaching out and saying, no, 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 you were never meant to carry that. That pressure shouldn't be yours. That fear and that anxiety shouldn't be yours. Give it to me because I care for you. And now I know what you're thinking, but how do I know God cares for me? Like that just sounds like a great like fairy tale ending. Just give it to God because he cares for me. How do I know God cares for me? Has God ever done anything to show me that he cares for me? Was there ever a sign somewhere that God cares for me? You see, this was a symbol of punishment and torture for those who had done wrong against the government. But in our faith, it's the cornerstone. In our faith, that cross means that he loved you so much that he would go to the ends of the earth and sacrifice everything he had for you. You see, some of us spend so much time looking and wondering, God, do you even care? And the cross is that symbol. The cross reminds us that he is willing to carry us. The cross is our symbol that God loves you so much that he pursued you and he gave up everything he had to know you and even to take that burden and that fear off of you. He's willing to carry you. That's why Peter would, would say, God, all this stuff is real. Like God is so real and he's so genuine and he's so authentic and he loves you so much. That, that's why he could say later on, come to me all, all who are heavy and, and like weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And this is coming from Peter. This is coming from the man who, who really should have probably had a lot of anxiety about Jesus. I mean, when you kind of go through the story of Jesus in the end of his life, when, when it came time for the cross, Peter was the guy who denied Jesus three times before Jesus died. And then Jesus comes, like, comes back to life, right? There's that empty grave. And these women who see the empty grave, they run back and they tell the apostles. And Peter, the guy who just denied Jesus before he died, at the most important time in Jesus' life, Peter goes running for the grave. I mean, that amazes me. Can you imagine what Peter was thinking on his way there? God, what's Jesus going to say? I'm going to get there and Jesus is going to say, sit down, Peter. So you denied me, huh? Once? Oh, no, no, twice? No, no, not even, three times, Peter? Yeah, you can go, get out of here. But he runs to that empty grave because in that moment of fear, in that moment of anxiety, Peter would say, in my moment, I can tell you why you need to do this because in my moment, he was there for me. In my moment, he cared for me. In my moment, he didn't judge me. In my moment, he wasn't angry at me. In my moment, he didn't point at the fear and say, don't do that. In my moment, he took the fear off my shoulder and said, give it to me. 
even though I was the one who denied him. You see, when I needed God the most, he was there, even though I wasn't there for him. You see, these words have meaning and have power when you understand the story of Peter. And it's a great story. And you might hear this and think, well, that, that's, that's great, but, but that's like, I guess that might be a little objectionable, and, and that's like good for a concept, but, but give it to me direct. Like, what do I have to do, Jim, to get over my anxiety? For that, Paul's your man. Paul's like, like the, the direct guy, right? He doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches. You never have to worry about where you are with Paul. My wife is a lot like Paul. You never have to worry about where you stand with my wife. She's just direct and honest and truthful, and you know where you are. That's Paul. You want to know where you stand? Paul says, here's, here's the answer. Here, here's what you want to know. You want to know about anxiety? Here. Do not be anxious about anything. Like, done. Case closed. Right? Here's his answer. He's kind of like, like me when I talk to my kids. <clears throat> I don't need to know the story. Just don't be anxious anymore. That's Paul. Do not be anxious about anything. He says, but I'm not going to leave you there. There's more to the story. I realize, like, just saying stop doesn't work. But sometimes that's what we do, isn't it? Just stop. My daughter, Isabella, she, she gets, I don't know, lately she's had this fear, this anxiety at night when she goes to bed. One night she's like gripping onto her bedpost, really scared to go to bed. Just, just this overwhelming fear that something bad's going to happen. And I got so worn out, I was like Paul. I looked at her in her face, will you just stop being scared? And she just kind of looked at me like blankly, like, how? Right? That's kind of how we feel. We're anxious, we're worried, we have the fear, we're carrying our burden around. And Paul's like, just don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything. Why? He says, but in every situation, in every situation, in every moment of fear, by prayer and petition, every time you feel fear coming on, every time you feel anxious, that worry you have about raising your kids, that anxiety you have about being the perfect wife or the perfect husband or the perfect child, the worry you have about your finances and the future and how's it all going to play out, the anxiety you feel about your aging parents and how are you going to care for them and provide for them, whatever your fear might be, in every situation, he says, turn it to a prayer. You want to know how to overcome anxiety? You turn your anxiety into a prayer. What are you fearful for? Instead of carrying around your burden, I'm just so scared I'm not going to be a good parent. I'm so scared I'm going to screw my kids up. Turn it into a prayer. God, help me be a better parent. God, help me to raise my kids in a good way. I just don't know about my finances. I don't know about the future. God, help me not to worry about the future because I can't control it. Help, like, help me prepare my finances in a way that there'll be some left when I need it. God, I, 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 just, I, I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be a good wife. Help me treat my wife like you would treat her. Whatever your fear or your anxiety in every situation, turn it into a prayer. That's how we overcome anxiety. Turn it into a prayer. And I know you don't like this answer. Right? I, I know it's like, but that just sounds like such a cop-out. That sounds like such a JV answer to my varsity question. Like, just pray? I tried prayer. It didn't work. For some of you that are anxious, you, you might not like flying. You may, you may totally relate to this story. I found out earlier this week that, that Brian Keezer is actually petrified of flying. So make sure to give him a bunch of flack after service. <clears throat> but for those of you that are kind of anxious people, 
You get on a plane. You're the kind of people that like, you know, when they, they do the little safety speech, you're taking notes. Okay, the exits are over there. They're, okay, you're planning your escape route. If this happens, all right, I got it. You're writing all the notes down. You know what I'm talking about? They go through their whole talk at the beginning. The oxygen mask is going to fall. When it falls, make sure you put yours on first, and then you can care for someone else. Oh, by the way, keep breathing. You might not see the oxygen mask inflate, but keep breathing. Trust the process because it's going to work. That's exactly what we have to do with prayer. Trust the process. It's going to work. But so many of us, we, like, we walk around with this heavy burden on, and we're like, yo, I prayed. I prayed. It didn't work. Right? I, I went to church, and I, I had that conversation with God, but I left feeling heavy still. I left with my burden. But I prayed. Trust the process. Trust the process. No prayer goes unanswered. Trust the process. Turn your anxiety into a prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and here's this awesome part, with thanksgiving. And we hear that, and it's like, what does gratitude have to do with anxiety? Like, well, Paul, were you smoking something at this point? I mean, really, you kind of wonder that. Like, how, are, how is that even connected? Here's a good illustration for you. About a year or two ago, when all that kind of stuff was happening in North Korea, you know, with that little man, Kim Jong-un, and all his weird threats, <clears throat> and there was like, every time you turned on like social media or a news channel, there was some like disaster world-ending report. We're on the cusp of World War III and nuclear warfare. Believe it or not, in that moment, my anxiety began to rise. And not like a little. Like my anxiety began to get the hold of me. I would fear at night. I would fear for my girls. Like we're away from family. What do I do if something bad happens? How do I get to my family? How do I care for my kids? It just, like anxiety gripped my heart. So I did what I always do. I emailed my dad. My dad is in Africa at this point. I always talk to my dad about my tough questions. So I emailed him. I said, hey, dad, what do you do? How do you live knowing something awful might happen at any moment? How do I live knowing something bad might happen and I might not be able to take care of my girls in that moment? And he immediately pointed me back to these verses. And in, a, in an instant, it was like my faith like snapped back to reality. Oh, that's right. I can't control the future. I have no control of those outcomes. I have no control of what's going to happen. But here's what I can control. I can control my attitude right now. And right now, God has given me three incredible, beautiful, smiling girls that make my day so happy. He's given me a smoking hot wife that loves me. Like, I just begin to remind myself of those things and thank God. Thank you for my kids. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my house. I don't have to be scared. I can be thankful. I can be grateful because my current reality is better than some, like, distant, looming, impending future of, of doom. Thank you, God, for a wife. Thank you for a job. Thank you for a church. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for grace. Thank you for kids. Thank you for a job where I can earn money and provide. Thank you, God. We turn our grief, we turn our anxiety into gratitude, and we say, God, thank you. You want to know how to overcome fear? By turning your anxiety into gratitude and saying, God, thank you for what I have. I can't control these other things, but I can be so grateful for what you've given me. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And this is what he'll do. And the peace of God, and the peace of God, which transcends our understanding. And some of you, as I'm saying that, I can see heads nod. I can see eyes nod because you're the people that would say, he's right. 
I don't know how, but in my moment of fear, in my moment of anxiety, I experienced a peace I can't even describe to you. It literally transcends our understanding. I can't describe it. I can't tell how it came. I don't know where it came from. But in my moment of fear, I experienced a peace that transcends my, my vocabulary to describe it. And it will guard your heart. Listen to these words. It will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. It will guard your heart. This peace will keep your heart safe. This peace will keep your mind safe. You begin to follow this process. You begin to turn your anxiety into a prayer and turn that prayer into thanksgiving and gratitude. And the peace that comes on you will begin to protect you from more fear. It's like when I think of this, I think of these, these great basketball defenders of seasons past. You know, when they would do like full court presses, what would they do? They'd get the wide stance. They'd like slap the ground and look at the guy. And they're thinking, like, is this a basketball camp, Jim? No. But, but think about it. What are they saying to the guy with the ball? Bring it at me. Come on, try to get by me. Try to get to the other side, see what's going to happen. That's what the peace of God does for you. It guards your heart. It slaps the ground and says, come on, anxiety. Come on, fear. Give me your best shot. Try to get by. See what's going to happen, bro. It guards your heart. It guards your mind. It protects you from more fear. When we walk the process, when we work the process, when we turn our fear and anxiety into a prayer, and then we turn it into gratitude and thanksgiving, God says, I will send you a peace that you won't even understand, and it'll protect you, and it'll guard you. You see, the cross reminds us that God is willing to carry us. That symbol reminds us that God is willing to carry us. It's like that hallmark of our religion. That's why you see people walking around with crosses. It's a reminder that God is willing to go to any end to get you. But here's the beauty of it. The story doesn't end with the cross, does it? Three days later, there's an empty grave. And the empty grave reminds us that he is capable of carrying us. The cross might remind you that he's willing. But the empty grave says, I can. I defeated death. The thing that people fear the most, I defeated it. It has no hold on me. If I can defeat death, I can carry your fear. I can pick that burden up. Cast your fear on me. Not only am I capable of doing it, but I am willing to do it. Give it to me. I can take it for you. You were never meant to carry it to begin with. That's why you're worried. That's why you're anxious. It's why your shoulders hurt. It's why your back hurts. Because we're here carrying this burden around. We're here carrying this anxiety around. We're carrying this fear around that God said, I never intended for you to carry to begin with. I intended you to give it to me. Cast your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. And not only that, he is capable of doing it. The cross reminds us that he's willing. The grave reminds us that he's capable. The question for us is, what are we going to do? See, all of us have to answer this question. What are you going to do? Will you try to carry your anxiety? Will you try to carry your fear? Will you continue to put that burden on your shoulder? Or will you give your fear? Will you give your anxiety? Would you be willing to cast your fear on the one who cares for you? You see, that's the answer we need to have. Some of you need to make, need, you need to make your mind up right now. Are you going to leave here with that fear on your shoulder? Or are you going to take a moment and say, God, I'm giving it to you. 
Some of you, you need to make that decision every single morning because you struggle with that anxiety and it is overwhelming and it grips your heart. And every day it's a battle. Trust the process. Work the process. Every morning say, God, I can't. I give it to you. Every morning say, God, I can't do it. I can't control the outcome. I can't control my kids. I can't control this relationship. I can't be everything I thought I could be without you. God, I can't do this without you. I can't. And that's when God looks at you and he says, but I can. What are you going to do this morning? Are you going to let fear control you? Or are you going to give it to God? At the end of our first service, I had so many people come up and say, man, were you talking to me? Do you know what's going on? And here's the truth. I don't, but God does. Because we all deal with this. Because we all have fear. We all have anxiety. No matter how big and tough you are, no matter how isolated and private you are, there is something that grips your heart, that you carry around. No one can see it, but they know it's there. This morning, are you going to be willing to say, God, I can't, but I know you can? Or is fear going to continue to control you? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for these incredible verses, these incredible passages, God, written from two different perspectives, but so, so appropriate for our life. It's, it's as if they've transcended time, even though they were written for, for a, a 2,000 years ago for a different group of people. They are so appropriate to us today. That's the beauty of Scripture, God. It transcends time. It, it, it was good then, and it was good a few years ago, and it's good now, and it'll be good in the future. I thank you for, the, for the, the purpose and the power in these words. And I pray, God, that it would begin to consume our heart and our thoughts. That no longer would we allow fear to control us. That no longer would we be a slave to our own fear. But we would say, God, this morning, I give it to you. I cast my fear on you. And I'm going to work the process. I'm going to turn my fear into a prayer and my prayer into gratitude. And then I pray, God, you would do what only you can do. You begin to lift us up. You would give us the peace that passes all understanding. I pray that you'd give us the wisdom to do that this morning and the courage to do it, God, because for some of us, it is so hard. We don't know what to do without anxiety. But I pray that peace would replace that fear. In Jesus' name, amen.